Praise the Lord, everybody. Wow, they really took it to heart. They're still talking. That's awesome. That's what we want. Is that Pastor Mike I see? Hey, brother. Thank you so much for coming and supporting us. I was afraid to, uh, I couldn't really see. I was afraid to make the gesture and then be wrong. But hey, we had, uh, we had no projector today, as you noticed. And, uh, you know, that's, that's part of the way it goes. And you just work through it. When you're working for God's kingdom, you just work through it. You're going you're gonna to hit speed bumps sometimes. It's never going to be a, a perfect game. you got to work through it and get your average up. And that's, that's what happens with consistency. But before we start today, we've got a special birthday in the house. Is Caleb Daniel in the house today? <laughs> Caleb Daniel, where you at, brother? It's my son. There he is. He is seven years old today. And I thought it might be cool to embarrass him and sing happy birthday to him. So let's do it. A one, a two, a three. A happy birthday to you. Stand up, Caleb. Let's really point you out. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear KK. Happy birthday to you. Love you, buddy. A little athlete, kids like a ninja for good. He's a white ninja, wears a white suit. But you know, with birthdays, it's funny because it's all about presents, right? And we have four kids, and it's it's all about what did the others get. It's not about what I got. It's about did they get something better to me? Is really on their minds. And my other daughter, my daughter, she's eight. She's we have an eight, seven, five, two. And I have to constantly go through that to remember because it's confusing and they're just so close together. And there was a period of life where my wife was just pregnant for like four years straight. And the year she was not, it felt strange that year. But Chloe's had her birthday in March. And one thing my wife likes to do with the kids is she takes them out shopping. You know, they get 30 bucks or 50 bucks and they go to Target in the dollar store. And they just think it's so cool to pick out some stuff on their own, like the big shots, you know? And when, when Chloe gets home from the dollar store, Colton, the five-year-old, he says, oh, 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 oh what does she, she get? What she get? And I said, does it, does it matter? It's her birthday. He said, well, her, her got's more than me. That's what he says. Her got's more than me. He's five. I let him slide on the grammar, and mine's not much better than that anyway. I said, buddy, does it matter? What she has, what you have is what brings you joy. But he's so concerned with what she has, he no longer has value for what he has. It's, it's all based on who he's competing against, which is his siblings. And they compete against each other for everything. If there's candy given out in my house, they have to know exactly how many gumballs did the other three get? How many, how, what kind of candy did they get? Oh, well, that's not fair. They're measuring. And if you think they're not paying attention, they are. They're counting gumballs. If someone gets three and everybody else got two, they're on you. But dad, but dad, I said, does it matter? I made a deal with them separately. My deal with them was separate. Why does it matter? It matters to them. And no longer their two gumballs are good enough because a sibling got three instead. They're competitive. They're 
concerned with their competition. They're creating competition and they're devaluing what they have. You see, being consumed by what others have in comparison to you is a distraction to finding contentment in a way the enemy likes to convince you of reason to be ungrateful, truly. If we don't recognize that our value actually comes from God and not others, we will never, everybody say, never, never, never be happy. If you do not ever have the revelation that happiness comes from God and not others, you will never be happy. I challenge you this morning and this next week to determine who or what you might be competing against, for what reason, and learn how God wants you to handle competition. My passage today is the fourth book of the Pentateuch. I think I said it right. Pentateuch. It's a hard word. I'm trying to sound smart. The Torah. It's the fourth book, Numbers, chapter 14, verses 3 through 9. The Israelites are heading into Canaan. And Moses and Aaron are trying to take them there because the Lord is on their side. But they're saying, hey, these guys are bigger than us. They're stronger than us. And I don't know if this is such a good idea. We don't, we don't want to go. Maybe we should just go back to Egypt and be slaves. Verse 3 says, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to just return to Egypt and be slaves? Wouldn't that be easier, guys? Then Moses and Aaron, so they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron, verse 5, fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua and the son of, the son of Nun and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land, guys. It's good. It's good. It's got milk and honey. It's good. We should, we should go. We don't, want, we don't want to go. We want to find a new leader. We don't think you're going to get us killed. Verse 8, they said, if the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them. And the Lord is with us. Let's underline, bold, italicize. And the Lord is with us. And the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. The title of my message today is a bit deceiving. It's called crushing your competition. And crushing is kind of a violent word. It's not really something you hear probably a pastor say. But I'm going to say maybe my context today of crushing is not this. It's not one of those. We're going to say it's eliminating. To crush is to Eliminate. How do we crush or eliminate our competition? You see, hashtag winning is not about beating them. It's about discovering your purpose according to God's plan. It doesn't matter what they are doing. It's about figuring out what God wants you to do and acting in faith on that. That's how you win. But we can, especially in the Western culture, we can get caught up in 
our competition. We can get caught up in what our neighbor has, what our coworkers have, what, what kind of financial status others have. We, we compare, just like my kids, it's all about comparing. If we don't stack up against them at a certain level, we feel like maybe we're inferior, we're not good enough, we're jealous, we're fearful. We become fearful by comparison. We start basing everything we do based on what somebody else have, has. Our level of success is measured by someone else's. If we are ahead of them, we feel good. But if someone gets ahead of us, we start to stress out. We maybe get fearful, like I said, jealous. But God can't bless what you're imitating in someone else. When you're modeling someone else truly, and that's your, that's your source, God can't bless that because that was for them and this is for you. God has something different for you. And you can't get God's blessing when you're imitating something he has for someone else. So we develop this fear by comparison. And fear is worry. And worry stems from different reasons. It may be, hey, if we don't, let me, let me preface that I'm all about evaluating the playing field. Any venture you get into, whether it's business, whether it's academics, sports, you need to evaluate the playing field and see what is the standard so that I can be of value in this, in this, uh, this rat race. You know, there is a standard. But letting it dominate everything you do by based on the competition is where it can hurt you. And you can start to lose because you lose sight of your purpose because you're caught up in their purpose. I love mixed martial arts and the, the really seasoned fighters, what they'll tell you is, they'll say, hey, what do you think about your opponent? What's your game plan? He says, you know what? I'm not going to worry about what they do. I'm going to focus on what I do really well and just do my best. That's how I win. As soon as I get caught up in what they do, I crumble under pressure because I become reactive to whatever they do. I'm not walking forward uh, offensively. I'm defensive. I'm reacting. And so they lose the fight, and that's what the seasoned fighters know. Not to compare, not to stress about others. Some of us think we, we just might not survive if if we don't, you know, get the certain job title, or we don't have the certain car, or we don't have the certain type of house. And some of us just get plain jealous when, you know, when the neighbor's got the Corvette, and that looks really cool, and then we start talking why, why, like why they don't need it. Why do we care what they need? We need to care about what we need. It's because inside we got this tailbearer type of mentality. We got this jealousy stern for whatever reason. It makes us feel inferior because deep down we have a fear that they are maybe ahead of us in some way. But it's not about beating them. It's about discovering your purpose according to God's plan. And let me tell you, uh, the Bible uses the word talebearers or gossip. Whenever you do something really good, like when Jesus sat with the sinners and was trying to, to reach the sick, he came to reach the sick, not the whole man. People were talking about him behind his back. Can you believe what he did? Anytime you step out in faith and you break the norm, it's going to ruffle some feathers. It's going to make some noise. They say good, bad, good press, bad press, it's all good press. Anytime you can stir the pot and get people's attention, you're making a noise. You're creating change. And that's what Jesus did. He created change because he broke the cycle. And people didn't like it, so they would talk about it. Why? Because they were comparing what, what their roles were. They were fearful that they were becoming insignificant, that those Pharisees were not going to have their power 
that they had because Jesus was coming in and he was going to cause a revolt. They were fearful by comparison. The Israelites were fearful that the Canaanites were going to crush them by comparison. They had forgotten that it's not about what they look like. It's not about what they do. The Lord is on our side, Moses said. The Lord is on, he's with us. But look at all the likes they get on social media. Look how many comments they got for their kid's birthday on Facebook. Let me tell you, folks, it's not real anyway. A real relationship is in person. People that care about you, they spend time with you in person. If the only time you talk to Susie Q is on Facebook and it's because they liked or commented, you can't tell. A lot of times they're, they're trying to chime in and bring shine to their own, their own suit of armor because of something you did. So that's not a real relationship anyways. We don't have to worry about what they do or what attention they get. We're focused on what God has for us. That's how you win. It can cause us to actually worry about us, ourselves. We're, we're intimidated by them, those giants, those Canaanites. In order to be ahead of the competition, it takes work. To be first, it takes work. It's a steep task in this fast-paced world. It's a grind. That's why they call it a grind. If it was easy, everybody, everybody would do it. If it was easy, everybody would win. So you're saying, we it's not about them. How, how do we win? My kids had a sleepover a couple years ago, actually. My brothers. And they're playing with the soccer ball. And they're each taking turns, I guess, with my brother or his niece, his daughters or something. And they're fighting, physically tackling each other over this ball because they wanted to be the one kicking the ball to Uncle Sean or, or to Savannah, whoever it was. They wanted to, they got violent. He said, man, your kids were tackling each other over this ball, and all we're trying to do is kick the ball. It's because they were so obsessed. I don't know where they get the competition from. I mean, just because we want to be the best at everything we ever do in our life. Is there anything wrong with that? How many gumballs did they get? I don't know. They must get that from their mom. OCD over the soccer ball. The worried about their siblings again. Measuring our life according to another riches is comparison. Wow, look at their house. Wow. Wow, look at how fancy they're at. Wow. You're impressed by what they have. And it's, it's, it's nothing wrong with having dreams, but when it's an obsession that you can't find joy unless you have what they have, then it becomes a poison. It's about finding value in what you have because let me tell you, the more you get, the feeling never goes away that you don't have enough. You gotta learn that my value is not in those things, it's in God because even when you get those things, that's why you hear of all these rich billionaires who are the loneliest people on earth and they just want some friends because it's not always what we think. Our joy is not found in somebody else, it's in God, it's a choice. That's another sermon we're going to preach about joy in a few weeks. But how can we win if we aren't in first place? Because we know nobody remembers second place. Nobody remembers second, and it feels good to be first. Nobody wants to get the silver. We want the gold. Our fear by comparison 
causes us to want to be the alpha. If you're like a guy, like me, it's, it's instinctual. I remember when I was younger, you know, I didn't like it if somebody one-upped me in an area of my inner circle that I was supposed to be the one that was good at that. If, if I went to Belmont, and Belmont was full of extremely great musicians, and if someone was better than me, it frustrated me, like, no, I'm supposed to be the best. Like, it, it frustrated me, and that was my immaturity back then because I didn't understand it. Actually, that was a good thing, that when you're surrounded with people better than you at something, that's how you really grow, but at the time it was ego, and I wanted to be the alpha in my inner circle, and it was actually stopping me from growing because I was obsessed with them. Because nobody remembers second place. It can make us egotistical and foolish, that need to feel better than the rest. Anybody remember the Nintendo classic, the original? Nobody? Come on now. Are you guys alive? You guys with me out there? <laughs> so early 80s, mid-80s, we got the Nintendo classic, and my neighbor and I would play baseball. And if he did not win, I won't say no names. I'll just call him George, like I always do. If he, we didn't, if he didn't win, he would throw the controller at the TV because he was such a sore sport about it. He just would, he would cry sometimes. I mean, like 10 years old, he'd be crying because he lost the video game. And even then I'm going, bro, it's the video game. It doesn't, doesn't matter. But he just, nobody remembers second place. I gotta be first in everything I do. Otherwise, I'm not grateful with what I have. And that pressure to perform slowly breaks us down. But remember, winning is not about beating them. It's about finding your purpose according to God's plan. But we need to leave a legacy. When I die, my kids need to remember that I was great and I was the best and I was super dad. And we need to have all the bragging rights on the mantle. But it's about perspective. And when your perspective becomes obsessed with that, it becomes poison. You see it all the time with little kids. You know, you get the kids, and when I was in soccer, I was like five, and you have some parents, and some, sorry if some of you are like this, it's, it's just an evaluation, it's an illustration, don't, don't take it personally, but they would be screaming at their five and six-year-olds on the soccer field like the kid would be broken down because the parent was so intensely fired up, and it was not in joy, it was like, it was like anger. And, and they're little kids, and, and I understand, you know, iron sharpens iron, it makes them good, it gives them discipline, that militant style and everything. But as they get older, they start to burn out. Or you see it with, like, piano lessons. You make the people play the piano, and they just hate it. And they play and play, and by the time they're old enough to quit playing on their own, they, they burn out. It's because the pressure to keep with the pace got too intense that they, they broke. Staying first is... I played the cello, and I got by for many years without uh, really practicing. And by the time I got to junior high, all the kids started taking private lessons, and I started. I used to be first and second chair until about eighth grade, no ninth grade. And by ninth grade, I started to become a third chair, fourth chair. All of a sudden, I was the worst one in the class because I wasn't practicing, and all the other kids took private lessons. But keeping up with the same pace that I was in the fifth grade wasn't working and I started to just not care and I started to quit trying who can be against us hmm, sounds familiar because in numbers he said and the Lord is with us 
Do not fear them. And then Paul says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Because crushing your competition is not about beating them. It's about discovering your purpose according to God's plan. And when you realize it's not about them, in order to be first, always, you already are first. When you become a new creation in Christ, you were born at first, baby. There is nobody else like you. God's plan for you is, is for nobody else. You can eliminate the irrelevant. It doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter because no one has the blueprint for my life except me. No one has the blueprint, the blueprint for Michelle except her. God had a specific plan for each of us. And so when you realize that there is no one else that can fill the shoes that God designed for you, you've crushed the competition. You've eliminated the irrelevant because it's irrelevant. The Lord is with us, guys. Why are you scared of the Canaanites when the Lord is with us? If the Lord is for us, who can be against us, says Paul? It's pretty simple, right? Maybe we're really competing against ourselves. We were already born in first place. God has unique gifts just for each of us. And guess what? You want an accolade to put on the mantle? You just inherited the crown of Christ that will sit on the heavenly mantle for all eternity when you become a new creation in the Lord. I think that's a pretty good accolade, wouldn't you say? It's a little bit better than the old plastic trophy that's got the, the tarnish marks on it from the 80s. That's a little better, right? It's the crown of Christ that never fades, never tarnishes. Competition doesn't exist when you're in Christ. The Lord is on our side. You don't need to worry because faith will uphold the promise on high just like it did when the Israelites were in battle. There is no one else on earth that is the same as you. The struggle that you feel may be within yourself. They were never against you. They never really thought that about you. When you thought they were talking about you because you started the church and they thought you were crazy and they thought you weren't qualified, they were never talking about you. You were talking to you. You were letting the devil tell you those things and you just wanted to shift it on them. But the only real competition you were creating was you against you. And maybe you were forgetting that the Lord is for us. And if the Lord is for us, who can be against us? There is no competition. You eliminate the irrelevant. Hey now, it's okay to clap. It's okay to clap for the Lord because the Lord likes our praises and we let the Spirit of God move and we like to learn here once in church. That might be the first like clap, just ad hoc clap at this church. That, that's, a, that's a monumental moment for me as a new pastor. Thank you guys. You got to learn to crush this kind of crush your lack of confidence in who Christ made you to be. The only type of violent crush like a can you want is in your lack of confidence in who Christ made you to be. Because winning is not about beating them, it's about discovering your purpose according to God's plan. You've been chasing first place all along and you were already in it. 
You've missed opportunities to see God move in your life because you were obsessed with them. When he's saying, hello, look what I have for you. Quit being impressed with them and be on fire for Jesus. And then people will be impressed with you because they're going to see you be different just like when Jesus sat with the sinners. Some of you have feared life too long. If you guys can stand to your feet, we're going to close. Keep us in your prayers this week. We're, we're driving to Florida after church, 12 hours. But just like last week, we were driven by destination was the message. And we know the destination is there waiting for us, so we don't have to worry about if it will be there when we arrive because we have faith it's there. Thank you, Google Maps. You're born in first place. There is only first place when you become a creation, new creation in Christ. What the world thinks is irrelevant to your blueprint from God. Doesn't matter what they say, because they're going to say it's not good enough. They're going to say it's going to be so hard. I went on a rant last week, and we lost the video, and I wanted to see how foolish I looked, but I lost the video. But they're going to tell you it's so hard. It's so hard. Like, like, what are you really saying? You're really saying you should just not do that, right? Man, is anything worth anything if it doesn't have a little, if it's not hard sometimes? That's what brings value. you got to work for it. If you want what God has for you, Sometimes it takes a little work to find it. That's how he's kind of, because you, you, you kind of go this way, but he's trying to take you this way, and sometimes he's got to give you a nudge. If we can bow our heads, we're going to say a quick word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for our visitors today. We thank you for the opportunity to preach your gospel freely and to receive your word. And we pray that people receive the seed today that they can take into their lives that in a world that is so obsessed with comparing against the Canaanites that we can remember there is no battle that can take away the first place destination you have already prepared for us since the beginning when you designed our blueprint for our life. Let us conceive that daily and be reminded of that daily there is no one else that can take what you have for Jeff specifically, for Michelle specifically, for Dan specifically. It doesn't matter what the world says. We just want to follow your will. And we know as long as we are in your will that you are on our side and the rest is irrelevant. Lord, we pray for a great week. Keep us safe as we travel this week to our destinations. And we pray in your mighty name that your hand be upon us. And everybody say, in Jesus' name, amen.